0: I'm Alicia, and I'm Ashley, and we are
1: Murd Nerds.
0: Welcome, fellow murder nerds. If you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back. If you're new here, my name is Alicia, and I'm interested in telling tales of true crime with my best friend, Ashley, and our editor and producer, Jeremy. We cover cases of the missing, unsolved, and strange, and then we theorize and discuss afterwards. Ashley, Jeremy, how are you guys doing? Fantastic. Wonderful. Good to
2: hear. Everything is wonderful now. Oh, you're welcome.
1: Ever clear <laughs> joke. <laughs> we will have seen them
0: by the time this episode
1: drops. I'm so excited. I bet you are. I'm so excited.
0: So I've decided to ask another question this week. And this question I got from my coworker, Ryan. Oh, <laughs> uh, what up, Ryan? Does he, he listen? He does not. Oh. Um, so Ryan asks, if you choke a Smurf, what color does it turn? Oh, my God. He looks so serious. He's <laughs> like, hmm? Yeah. Yes. Well, I, is I the answer yes? I think there's
2: two There's two versions to it that you could go with. The obvious one is he's going to turn purple. hmm Yeah. I think that once you get a hold of his little neck, him that really good squeeze, I think he's going to turn purple. But... But he could turn white.
1: It depends on the color of Smurf's blood. What color is their blood? Because our face turns red... Because,
2: well, I guess you say
1: blue, blue. but it's because the blood's not oxygenated, right? When it's oxygenated, that's when it turns red. So your face turns blue. So yeah, it just depends on what color their blood is. But yeah, I was thinking white. White white or
2: purple would be my answer. Purple makes sense
0: too. Hmm. Interesting.
1: What's your answer? Bluer. (laughs) Bluer. Darker blue. (laughs) I was thinking that too. Those are all. All three so, of those are good answers. That
2: reminds me. Uh, do you know what's uh, what's blue but a, a little less heavy?
1: Less heavy than what? Than blue. Light blue. There you go. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm five on that one. Give it. Boom. Nice job. <laughs> oh my god. Nice job. Dad jokes.
2: <laughs> you said blue. Now what do you want me to do? <laughs>
0: So today's case I'm going to be telling is one that came to light during the search for Gabby Petito. It is one that really struck a chord with me because the circumstances are just so bizarre and the reasoning the authorities give is just off the wall completely. This is the case of missing geologist Daniel Robinson. The the what the authorities give? The reasoning? The
1: reasoning.
0: The reasoning for the murder? Or you'll
1: get to okay, it. Okay. I was like, the reasoning for what?
0: <laughs> My sources are Wikipedia, the Mile Higher Podcast, episode 198, which features Daniel's father, David, and please help find Daniel.com. I'm going to tell this story a little differently than I normally do. I'm going to tell you the entire case, and then we're going to go back and hit all the details. So basically, I want you to have an idea of the entire skeleton of this situation before we get into the nitty gritty of it. 24-year-old geologist Daniel Robinson was last seen on Wednesday, June 23, 2021, in Buckeye, Arizona, leaving a job site. The site was roughly 45 miles southwest of Phoenix, Arizona. A federal law enforcement officer said that he had seen Daniel that morning cleaning out his 2017 blue-gray Jeep Renegade out at the work site, and he said it was... he seemed completely clear-headed the whole time. He didn't seem out of it or under the influence of anything. Just perfectly normal. They even smoke, smoke, They even spoke <laughs> for a quick minute about guns and target practice. So this was more than just a casual hello, and then they moved on. They had a conversation, so much so that he could gauge an honest idea of Daniel that day. He also recalled the... Jeep and that it didn't look like it had been damaged. It didn't look like it was in an accident or any of anything. Um, Nearly a month later on July 19th, 2021, a ranger was looking over his property and found a Jeep rolled over on its side in a ravine. It was Daniel's Jeep. Upon further inspection, it was noticed that the airbags were deployed, and there was evidence inside the vehicle showing that the driver was wearing their seatbelt when the Jeep crashed. I'm assuming that the seatbelt was still buckled. Um, Mm -hmm. Inside the Jeep, they found Daniel's cell phone, his wallet, his keys, and some of his
1: clothes. Some people buckle their seatbelt behind them so their car doesn't ding, too. So
0: that's... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Later that July, a human skull was found just south of where Daniel's Jeep had crashed, but testing cleared that the skull was not Daniel's. By September 16th, 2021, the Buckeye Police Department had worked with other agencies and searched over 70 square miles with UTVs, cadaver dogs, drones and helicopters. They found nothing. After the Jeep was discovered, Daniel's family hired an accident reconstruction specialist and a private investigator to look deeper into the accident and what could have possibly happened to Daniel. When they came back with their findings, they stated that after the airbags deployed, the ignition was turned over 46 more times. There was also an additional unaccounted for 11 miles that was put on the car after the black box registered that the car had been in an accident. They believed this accident was staged.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: On November 9th, 2021, investigators announced that human remains had once again been found while a search party was out looking for Daniel. It had been sent out for IDing and due to anthropological evidence, officials stated that these remains were also not Daniel's. So they're just finding all these random dead bodies? Yes.
1: Jesus.
0: As of the recording of this episode, which is September 11th, 2022, Daniel's case is still open and he is still considered missing. So let's go back and delve into the meat of this story a little bit more, because in my opinion, there is some shady shit that's going on somewhere. And I'm going to start with who Daniel was. Daniel Robinson was born to David and Melissa on January 14th, 1987. He grew up in South Carolina where he was the youngest of his parents' children together. He has an older brother and and, an, older twin sisters. And then his father got remarried and he has a teenage sister. Um, when Daniel came into the world, his father said that he cried so loud, louder, louder than any of his siblings. And, um, He was also born with a birth defect, so he only had from his forearm up on his right arm. So his family just knew he was going to be a strong kid based off, you know, he's got this birth defect and he was louder than all of his other Mm -hmm. siblings. He like made a point when he came into this world. Daniel was headstrong and really liked a challenge, not only because he was the youngest, but he didn't want anyone to think he couldn't do what everyone else could do without his birth defect. So he taught himself to play the French horn and the trumpet. He liked um, beating his siblings in video games. He was strong in his academics. And he even played sports in school, all without the use of a prosthetic, which he fought against his parents, telling them that he didn't need it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel attended college and went in with no idea what he was going to do with the rest of his life. I feel like that's a vast majority of people mm-hmm. have no idea what they're going to do. I'm still do. trying to figure it out. <laughs> right, Same. It was his freshman year at the College of Charleston that he found his love for geology. He graduated in 2019 with honors, and it was shortly after that he decided to move from his home in South Carolina to the Phoenix, Arizona area. Obviously, there isn't much geology work here there in South Carolina, so he took the chance to travel across the country. Daniel studied to be a field geologist, so this area was perfect for him to work in. He got a job right out of school with his friend's parents' geology company called Matrix.
2: Can you say that again? His friend's parents?
0: Yes. His his friend's parents' company. They owned a geology company called Matrix. That's convenient. Yeah.
2: company.
1: well,
0: I'm assuming that it's his friend went to geology. Yeah, like he was a college, college friend. Right. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Daniel loved Arizona. He loved hiking. He loved nature, and just absolutely fell in love with the state. Daniel was a very social, easy to get along with person. And um, when he went to Arizona, not having a place to stay. But his coworker, Roger, offered a place for him to stay until that he could get on his feet. Um, He lived with Roger for a while and then got his own apartment once he was able to save up enough money. He also bought himself the Jeep Renegade that he loved so much. His apartment was originally in Phoenix, where he got a roommate, and eventually he moved to Tempe. About a year after Daniel moved to Arizona, his sister also moved out there, too, which made Daniel so happy because... He really missed his family. They were all really close-knit, so it was nice to have her
1: out there. Right. That would be tough to choose between, like, your career and, like, having to move across the
0: country or your yeah, family. Yeah, like your passion in life, right, you know? Right, right. So Daniel not only loved geology, but he also really loved tech. He was super keen building his own computers, um, especially gaming computers. Something else he was great at was working on cars. He was able to always fix whatever was wrong with his own vehicles himself. So it's safe to say that Daniel was a very intelligent and very independent person. Even though Daniel was working really hard out in the Arizona desert and putting in a lot of hours, he had also started driving for Instacart, which I'm not, or which I'm sure you're wondering, like why in the heck was he working this full time job plus driving for Instacart on top of it? The company that Daniel worked for, Matrix, didn't pay for the anemities excuse me, amenities that they needed out in the field. So whatever tools that he would need, gas to get to the job sites, et cetera, Daniel would first have to front the money for those things, then submit them to the company in an expense report. Then over time, he would be reimbursed for the things that he needed to get to complete the jobs. That Seems he was- odd. Eh, uh, not yes and in no a specialty field like this though, so.
2: yeah you would think that they would supply all the tools and stuff he needed to get the at job least done.
0: yeah i mean
2: but you know as far as mileage and gas you know i've been down that road with- yeah
0: i get that um
2: <laughs> so
0: basically he didn't want his normal salary to be interfered with by these extra expenses that he needed to make which is kind of shitty but i'm sure there's like a logistical reason behind all of it Uh, The first half of 2021 was great for Daniel. There were a few times where his where Daniel's sister noticed that he would come to her apartment to visit and he acted a little weird or a little odd. Like Daniel had sat on her couch just staring off into space for a really long time, but it was nothing to take note of. Um, But it is in the police report when they were interviewed Overall, his family never noticed anything out of the ordinary with Daniel. Considering how close they all were, you'd think that they would notice even the slightest thing that was off. But there was not really anything other than him staring off into space, which I've done it before. I'm sure we've all just kind of like, you Mm -hmm. know, dozed off. Sometimes I just like
1: stop in the middle of my living room and just stare like a random object on the table. Sometimes you just
0: need to like let your brain relax for a second, you know? It's like buffering. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so Lovering. Daniel was fine. He even made plans with his sister before he went missing for the following weekend. On June 12th, 2021, Daniel was working for Instacart. He got an order for some wine to be delivered to the Phoenix suburb of Levine, Arizona. So the person had answered the door and sh- it was a woman named Caitlin. And Caitlin had a friend over and they were obviously already drinking and Um, they started to have a conversation with Daniel, and then the girls decided that they wanted to invite him inside because they liked him. And he and Caitlin exchanged phone numbers, and that's when they started texting. Daniel had mentioned to his dad in a phone conversation that he met these girls. He mentioned he had stayed the night there with them. He even took his portable canopy that he used on the field to, what, What? He stayed the night there? He stayed the night there.
2: Yeah, high five.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) But he took his portable canopy that he used on the field to her house and accidentally left it there. So his dad got on him about this. Like, these girls were strangers. He could have been sleeping with a married woman or like a serial killer or whatever else. He didn't know them. He literally just met them that night.
2: Dad's jealous.
0: And then he stayed there that (laughs) night? Yes. Woof.
1: Yeah, that's... That's spooky.
0: Yeah. So Daniel mentioned that this Caitlin girl sent him a link to a podcast at 2.30 in the morning. It was a podcast hosted by Eckhart Tolle. He's an alternative spiritual leader kind of person. Um, a lot of advice and basis and self-help and living in your truest self. See,
1: never mind.
0: I'll let, you, I'll let you talk. The podcast episode she sent was talking about ego, kind of insinuating that Daniel had this huge ego. Daniel was confident, but not radical in his ego at all. So it's speculative that maybe they had this deep conversation about spirituality and got Daniel maybe thinking differently about his own beliefs, which were Christian. And this was also included in the police report about this podcast and what it could possibly mean in a bigger picture. Mm -hmm. From June 12th to June 14th, Caitlin and Daniel were texting a lot, like just having normal conversations on June 14th. Daniel texted Caitlin to tell her that he needed to come get his canopy and also mentioned that he liked the podcast that she had sent him. She said, Oh sure. Come get the canopy. Then on June 16th, Daniel came to the door to pick up the canopy, but he knocked and nobody answered caitlin saw this on her security camera connected to her phone she texted him and told him that she wasn't home and was away in flagstaff arizona but would be home that night and would get the canopy out on the front door that he so he could swing by and grab it when he left for work from what daniel's dad said from what daniel had said he had asked to grab his canopy and he never got a response so he just went back into her backyard got the canopy and left Mm -hmm. She saw him do this and then texted him saying, don't come over here uninvited. He didn't have any ill intention doing this. He just needed his canopy to do his job because obviously the Arizona desert sun is fucking hot and having it down on you. I mean, if she's going to say she's going to do something and not do it, he tried to pick it up already. Exactly. After this, he apologized to her and said he wouldn't do it again. Then followed that text up with, I haven't stopped thinking about you. Mm -hmm. but caitlin said on june 20th daniel texted her i love you and asked if she was home she said honestly you showing up at my house unannounced made me extremely uncomfortable i'll be home today but i don't think we'll be hanging out anytime soon So Luke was one of Daniel's college friends who came to visit the weekend of the 20th. He was living in New York, but flew out to spend time with Daniel in Arizona. He stated that he didn't notice Daniel acting abnormal at all. June 21st, Roger went to work and noticed Daniel wasn't in the field, but he was in the office. He noticed something odd. Daniel had cut his hair. He had stated before that he was growing his hair out. And so he was confused about the sudden change. So Roger tried to talk to him, but Daniel was just short, non-conversational, and he thought something was wrong. His father said that Daniel was always changing his hair, so the hair thing wasn't like a really big deal to him. But to Roger, it was a big shock because well, right. he had already stated he wasn't cutting his hair anytime soon.
1: And the, his res- the way he responded to being short and mm-hmm. weird. I mean, that's...
0: Exactly. Roger and Daniel decided to go have breakfast together, and during their meal, Roger decided to probe Daniel, asking him different questions, trying to figure out what the problem was. He asked Daniel if there was a girl he was interested in, and Daniel said, yes, but this girl didn't know he existed. Kind of weird.
1: Yeah, I mean, she's obviously iced him out, so I get it.
0: Yeah, but I'm thinking it's not Caitlyn. Oh.
2: That would be my guess. Right. This is another girl.
0: Um, Roger said in the report that Daniel was asking him a lot of questions like do you believe in miracles then was bringing up God and religion frequently he mentioned his ego that ego is wrong and he wanted to get rid of his ego they went back to work and when they arrived at the office Daniel left without saying goodbye and was carrying a box it's unknown what was in that box. Based off of surveillance footage, Daniel arrived at the Waffle House in Tempe, Arizona at 6.02 that night and left at 7.10 p.m. Daniel's sister, who lived in Phoenix, started getting emergency texts from Daniel. So Daniel and his sister had a code word that they would use if something was going wrong. And that's what Daniel was texting her. She tried to call him and he didn't answer. Um, So... She tried to call their father at that point, panicking, obviously, because mm-hmm. she's getting this emergency tax. He told her to go to his apartment, which his car was there, but he wasn't. Obviously, this sent everyone into a big panic. His sister called their dad again to relay the news to him that Daniel was missing, and wouldn't you know, Daniel showed up. So, his sister gave him the what for because he was using their code in. Uh, Like text signaling an emergency, Mm -hmm. then not answering his texts, his calls, nothing after sending the code word and just going completely MIA. It was super weird because he took a bus there, then took an Uber back home instead of just driving his own car to the Waffle House. Okay,
1: to the restaurant. Okay.
0: when asked why he used the code word, he said that he was, quote, unquote, pulling a Daniel, which meant he was testing them essentially is what he meant by that. Basically, he wanted to see how quick she would respond to him in in an emergency. But I'm like... Why wouldn't you just answer and be like, you passed the test? Right? Hmm, that is weird. weird. According to the waitress at the Waffle House, who was later interviewed in the police report, after his disappearance, she saw Daniel acting, quote, out of it, skittish, and off. When she tried to speak to him, he wouldn't respond to her. She said he had been there multiple times, but his father states that he had only been there once. Which, like, no offense to David in any sense, but how would he know how yeah, many times the his son had been right. yeah. a Waffle House? I mean, he's in South Carolina, so. Yeah, that's um, Now, Daniel's father asked for the video of Daniel at the Waffle House from the Buckeye Police Department, and they refused to hand over any footage. All they did was send him still images of the videos. Um, They said it was there for quite a long time, or that he was there for quite a long time, but there is a time discrepancy within the images. There are time issues that aren't accounted for, which his father couldn't go into details about, but whatever it was, it leads him to believe that he met up with somebody while he was there at the Waffle House like not necessarily sat down and ate with them but could have potentially yeah could okay. have potentially met them don't know hmm. on June 23rd Daniel went to a job site that he had never been to before with a coworker that he had never worked with before their assignment that day was to test some groundwater in a remote area of Buckeye this site was 45 minutes southwest of Phoenix and they know he was there for sure, because his coworker was able to provide text messages back and forth of him giving directions to Daniel, to the worksite. Based on the police report, Daniel left his home in Tempe at 6:26 a.m. and drove to a gas station in Buckeye. From surveillance footage, he was there at 7 a.m. He bought three dollars and eighty-three cents worth of gas via his bank statements. What? Yeah. Then left at 7:03 a.m. Then Daniel drove roughly one mile to the first job site, not the one he was assigned to, but where he took photos of work logs, like, you know, not like logs like a tree logs, like yeah, <laughs> like. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, I got myself confused at that part because I was like work logs, like like what are those? He's a geologist, not a treeologist.
1: <laughs> treeologist.
0: Um, it's unknown when he left the job site, but at eight ten a m he sent a text to his coworker and then headed to the second job site that he was assigned to. This text message was redacted in the police report, but there were several phone calls that were made between Daniel and his coworker. Daniel arrived at the job site at roughly nine am based off of the report. When he arrived, he met up with his coworker, and it was just the two of them there. Daniel was wearing his orange work vest and it was included that, or yeah, it was included that his shoes were untied. Not Hmm. sure why that matters. Maybe it was just an odd or just worth noting. You never know what
1: details matter.
0: Yeah. Um, It was a rainy, cool day. So they waited out the storm so they could get to work. Times were in the low 90s based off of what his coworker stated the start of the day was typical and normal they talked about the weather their assignment you know just normal chit chat but as the as a couple minutes went by the coworker started noticing daniel gazing and staring off into the desert
1: so but this was the first time they had ever met correct mm-hmm. this is their first encounter okay
0: yes um daniel just seemed off the coworker suggested that maybe daniel was on Drugs or just tired, his pupils were not dilated from what he could tell. His dad did say that Daniel smoked pot, which was legal in Arizona, but he didn't do any heavy drugs or anything, nothing that would dramatically alter his mind. Right. Well, and when
1: you're outside in the sun, your eyes aren't, drugs aren't going to dilate your eyes. It's going to be, it's going to affect that, Mm -hmm. I think.
0: Yeah. Even so, he wasn't one to smoke on the job and. Nor did he. they find anything in his car. When they found his Jeep, they didn't find drugs, paraphernalia, nothing.
1: Mm-hmm. Responsible stoner. Yes. I can appreciate that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's,
0: it's a thing. Okay. Smart stoners. They're out there. Within 15 minutes of arriving, Daniel looked at his coworker and said, do you want to go rest in Phoenix? Which the coworker just didn't understand what That's he meant a by weird that. weird statement, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then Daniel got in his Jeep, At 9.15, waved at his coworker and drove off without saying anything of where he was going. Once again, this is from the police report. Daniel's father, who is doing his own investigation, said that this timeline is completely off and incorrect um, entirely of what has played out. But he can't release the information that he knows. He believes they have started their own narrative and not willing to stray from it with the other information that's been brought to light. Within his own private investigation. Wow.
1: Okay. So that's weird. It's, what are they coaxing a witness? Or because if that person is saying that exactly.
0: Yeah. I don't know.
1: How would that change talking to his father? Yeah. Or his father's PI or whatever.
0: Hmm. There's hmm. a lot of weird stuff that goes on with yeah, this case. Yeah. Curious. Now, the co-worker told Daniel's father that he didn't call Daniel, but when Daniel didn't return, he followed his tire tracks. He said he stayed to the left of the tracks so that he wouldn't disturb them and drove for miles and miles, even going through a gate, walking on foot onto a hill. He even started painting rocks red so they knew where his tracks were. Then the rain washed away the tracks.
1: Was he... So his coworker was alone and just like painting rocks and shit. Yeah, as he was like
0: kind of leaving a, a breadcrumb trail. Hmm. Interesting. Which, like, a lot of times in the desert, it doesn't just like sprinkle or anything; it downpours. Like, right. So That's it would make weird. sense that the tracks were washed away. But it's
1: just strange that they that he had the presence of mind to to even follow him that far. That's kind of a little weird to me. Yeah.
0: The police never interrogated the co-worker. He gave them a statement, but it was simply, he left and I stayed at the job site as he drove away.
1: But then followed his tracks all the way. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> huh. Daniel's father was notified that Daniel was missing at 9 p.m., which was 6 p.m. Arizona time. He wasn't very concerned at that point, but they started checking around to see if they could get in touch with Daniel's friends. His sister even went to check his apartment. His father started worrying when he realized that his son went missing at 9 a.m. It had been over six hours at that point. Daniel would never go without contacting someone for over six hours. David called the Tempe Police Department because Daniel was a resident of Tempe to submit a missing person report. But considering he went missing in Buckeye, they sent him to the Buckeye Police Department to file the missing persons report and forced him to wait 12 hours. Hmm. Oh, my God. That is such old news. How can that happen in 2021? Yeah. Which isn't... It's not formal practice. You can file whenever you want to file a missing persons report. And it took 72 hours after the report was made for the police to send out a a bulletin that Daniel was missing. Are you shitting me? That's weird. One thing the police decided to do was connect to Daniel's um, Jeep's Uconnect, which is like OnStar, pretty much. Daniel's family was the one that suggested this because at first the police refused saying they needed a warrant, but they did it when they tried to connect. It wasn't working um, either from the battery being dead, someone tampering with it, or it's just breaking, which is kind of doesn't sound right. David asked if there was any way that they could look by helicopter for Daniel. And the police said no, because since Daniel was a grown man, if he wanted to go missing, he could. The whole warrant thing doesn't make
1: sense. The permission given by the parents, they would be his next of kin, for lack of a better word.
0: I don't think so. What would you need a warrant
1: for? Oh, because he's not dead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because then, yeah, that's an evasion of his privacy.
0: Exactly. Sorry. It's okay. Um, By this time, or excuse me, family also started calling hospitals, jails, and by this time, David drove the two. Are 2,500 miles to Arizona to start the search for Daniel, which is where David has been living ever since Daniel went missing. Oh. David was feeling like the police were reluctant to do a heavier search for Daniel. Um, the co-worker that was with Daniel that day stated that he never saw a helicopter search and didn't see a foot search. He didn't see anything because he was still at, stationed at that site. So David started gathering his own search parties to start looking for Daniel. He used social media to reach out to people who would want to help, get people that you know, knew the desert really well, knew how to search in the desert and survive in the desert. During the searches they do, they found upwards of five different people. They have confirmed two different human remains, and one family has been able to get closure.
1: My goodness. Yes. You know, you would think being in an area like that, it's one thing if, like, an adult goes missing, like, let's say, Indiana,
0: mm-hmm. where we
1: are. I can understand the cops. That thought process, but when you're in a place where it's desert, yeah, adults go missing all the time in those areas, like when they're hiking, or God forbid, working as a geologist, like yeah. that's very logical that they would be in distress, not just walking off hmm
0: yeah, pretty interesting um they believe that this area is a cartel dumping ground. The chief of police has police has made comments that the cartel um, even use planes on the roads <sighs> to land and dump bodies. But during the searches, David started feeling like the chief of police was trying to just set a narrative. Um, although one of David's PIs did confirm that this area is heavy with cartel and heavy for human trafficking incidences. July 19th, a rancher contacted the law enforcement that he had found Daniel's Jeep on his land, um, turned over in a ravine. The location had allegedly already been searched by law enforcement prior to it being found by the rancher. The wild part about this is the sheriff's department in Buckeye sent David a map of the area and where they had searched on July 9th. Okay. Um, they had little dots marked in the areas where they had already been, and there was a pin directly on the spot where the jeep was found. Ten days later, hmm. They said it was searched two to three days prior, but at the time, it wasn't there when they searched. That doesn't make any sense. His jeep was found three to four and a half, three to four and a half miles southwest of the job site he left from. That's not very far.
1: It's not. And you said they were looking at that little black box. So it's like, what day was it turned over for the last time?
0: The sheriff had told David that they had done several searches of this area with several very low flying helicopters, drones, cadaver dogs, people on foot on recreation vehicles. How was this missed? But the rancher said that he never saw anything but one dog and a couple of drones. David had never gotten footage from the helicopter, only some footage from the drones that had been out there. Also, side fact, the skull that was found by volunteers, that was only a couple feet from where the jeep it was only a couple feet from where the jeep was found. So, that's pretty odd that if they had even been where that jeep was, why didn't they find the skull?
1: Right. So they but missed the jeep both of those there. things in their quote search. Yes. Hmm.
0: So the Jeep was rolled over on its side. The front windshield had been smashed. The driver's side window was shattered and the airbags were deployed. The removable roof was partially wedged under the Jeep. Make that make sense. On the
1: side. Mm Mm-hmm. Whoa.
0: The Jeep was completely totaled. Inside the Jeep, they found his cell phone, his keys, and then outside of the Jeep was his wallet. It was located inside of his pants pocket because all of his clothes that he had wore to work that day were outside of the Jeep, three feet away from it. His safety vest with the Matrix logo was located a couple of feet away from the pile of his other clothes. Then his boots were found underneath the vehicle, the completely. That is odd. Vehicle.
1: Because the vest would be the first thing you'd have to take off. Mm hmm. That's really weird. Once again, yeah.
0: if they had searched this area, how did you miss a bright orange vest? Yeah. Wow. That is so odd. In a drone. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Why were his boots underneath the Jeep that was on its side? And completely right. Totalled? That does sound staged. Investigators said that they didn't believe Daniel was injured because there was no signs of blood or signs of injury inside of the Jeep. But the Jeep was completely totaled. At the same time, though, they said that they believed Daniel had a severe head injury and kicked his way out of the sunroof. That's how they explained that the roof was off. So the oxymoron. Yeah. The explanation about why his clothes were outside of the car from the investigators is that, quote, head injuries make people want to strip off their clothes. They said he probably got his head injury and thought he was hot, so he stripped off his clothes and then went to a tree to get shade and succumbed to his head injury, and then an animal got him. Oh my this comical God. part, oh my God. for real, the comical part of all of this is Daniel's dad, David, was a war veteran. He fought overseas in the Middle East twice, and he's currently a disabled veteran because he was severely injured on duty with a traumatic brain injury. <laughs> So, I'm pretty sure if anybody knows head injuries, it would be Daniel's own father, David.
1: I mean, everybody's different, but that sounds more like hypothermia. Yeah. To me, that's like a, you know,
0: yep. Hmm. So David is getting the airbags and Daniel's clothes tested. There is a powdery residue that would be on his clothes if the airbags did deploy while Daniel was inside of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, the same as the airbags, they would have Daniel's DNA on them from hitting him inside mm-hmm. the vehicle. The investigators did, did uh, luminol test, or they didn't luminol test the car. They didn't swap for DNA or get fingerprints until July 22nd. The whole time the Jeep was sitting out in the elements uncovered. They didn't take it back to... What the fuck? Which, if you remember from the beginning of the story, it had been raining. And when it rains in the desert, it's not just little sprinkles. It fucking pours. So why did it take David to put a tarp on the Jeep for it to be protected? It should have been hauled away the day it was found. Yep. David currently has possession of the Jeep.
1: What the actual fuck. Mm -hmm. And... For them to be like, oh well, we don't think he's injured because there's no blood in the car. Yeah, well, if someone fucking killed him and just trashed his car, he w- there wouldn't be blood in the car. Mm-hmm. I'm getting mad.
0: Sorry. (laughs) David hired a private investigator and accident reconstruction analyst to review the accident. He determined that the damage to the vehicle did not match the terrain at all. The windshield looked like it had been beaten in from the outside, and it didn't have damage to the top, so it didn't fully roll over. Mm -hmm. There was red paint transfer to the back of the Jeep, indicating that it had been hit from the back. The PI believes that there is foul, foul play involved, but law enforcement says otherwise. Buckeye Police Department released Daniel's phone over to his father, but everything was stripped from the phone and the SD card. Dude, it literally, this sounds
1: like a case from like the 60s where we're like, yeah, it was just, they didn't have the four sides. It was just different back then. Blah, blah. This was last year.
0: Yep. Oh, just wait. What? Just wait. There's the so much more. Um. So for some reason, the Buckeye Police Department knew about Caitlin the girl from the Instacart delivery and let her tell her own narrative about what went on with the, with Daniel in the police report. So the text conversations within the police report are not the same as in the phone records. Basically the quote unquote phone records that the police have about what was texted back and forth between Caitlin and Daniel were things that she uploaded to them from her phone. The phone records that Daniel's father has are they're just time and dates of sent messages because he can't, he's not on the account, so he can't get what was actually, you know, said. So there were things that were missing, like the amount of time and frequency that Daniel and Caitlin spoke to one another. The way the police made it seem was that Daniel was stalking this girl, but she was talking to him just as much as he was talking but, to her. And they, they wiped his phone. Couldn't they see everything on his phone to yep. disprove that? Yep. Now, once again, I'm sure you're wondering how this was even allowed, right? Right. This is considered a non-criminal case, meaning since a crime is not suspected of being committed, they can't subpoena for a warrant to get the phone records of what was actually said. So they were depending on Caitlin to give accurate information about their conversations. But the phone records, since they were in Daniel's sister's name and she could access them, didn't line up with what Caitlin handed over.
1: Why did they wipe his phone?
0: I don't think it was anything... um, I don't think the, the police, I think the police are in on this, is what I'm going to say. I was going to say,
1: why would they wipe his phone? Unless
0: it was wiped because, they found it. Because there's no crime that's been committed, so Caitlin's narrative is the one that they're going to give to the dad as to keep him, you know... What, do they spoon, just not want to do spoon the work? him information? That is fucked... So Daniel's father was able to pull his son's Google, Google map history off of his phone with the help of Google. So he could get, you know, when your phone signed into your email address and it's signed into Google, it kind of tracks you wherever when you're on Google maps. So even though his phone was completely wiped, it was still logged in under his email address. Am I making sense there? Mm-hmm. Um, they discovered that the previous night before he went missing, he was up really late doing deliveries for Instacart. So that may be why he was acting kind of out of it to his coworker. He barely got any sleep the night before. Buckeye Police Department believes that Daniel staged this wreck. Are you ready for this? Oh Lord. you're you're gonna lose your mind. I guys. have a theory, but it's not this theory. Buckeye Police Department believes that Daniel staged this wreck, walked away from his life, and joined the monastery to become a monk, (laughs) which there are places around this area, but there are literally no reasons to think this other than the podcast that Caitlin had sent him. David went to the nearest monasteries to the accident and asked about Daniel and no one had ever seen him and he definitely hadn't joined them. Right. So Daniel or David's still on the search, but he believes this is just a dead end fucking theory that the cops are just throwing out.
1: Right. Why would they pose that theory if they hadn't went and talked to the fucking monasteries? Exactly. 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 And that was insanely similar to my theory because mine was that he joined a cult. The cult, I thought maybe that podcast guy was like yeah. a cult leader or
0: something. Yeah, Wow. Daniel's father, David, has clearly been a huge advocate for finding his son and very critical of the way law enforcement has been handling his son's disappearance. He has done more in locating his son than local law enforcement has. The family has put together a GoFundMe to help gather donations for people who volunteer f- for the search parties that are still searching for Daniel in the deserts of Buckeye. They also have started a petition to keep interest alive and growing. Daniel's mother and father were both invited to the Facebook watch series Red Table Talk, which is hosted by Jada and Willow Smith and Jada's mother to discuss the case further and the di- difficulties that they have faced while trying to help um, with finding to get help while finding Daniel. Once again, Daniel was last seen on June 23rd, 2021. He was said to be leaving his geographical work site located near Sun Valley Parkway and Cactus Road in Buckeye, Arizona. He was driving his 2017 blue-gray Jeep Renegade and was said to be headed west, further into the desert. He was reported missing that day. His Jeep was found on its site in a ravine just a couple miles away. Daniel was 24 years old at the time of his disappearance, but is 25 years old now. He is black, black hair, and brown eyes. He is 5 foot 8 inches tall, about 165 pounds. He is missing part of his right forearm, and that includes his hand. Um, If you saw Daniel or you know anything that could potentially help locate where Daniel is and what happened to him, please contact 844 602 Zero six six zero to submit a temp. Um, if you would like to help post flyers, volunteer to search for Daniel, donate, or sign the petition, all of these things can be done at pleasehelpfinddaniel dot com, which is a website ran by his family. Daniel or David spends roughly three thousand dollars for one week of searching, so anything helps him. <laughs> This case is still very, very fresh, and it's mind-boggling to me that searches have been going on weekly for Daniel since he went missing, yet no trace of him has been found. Someone definitely has an idea of where he is and what happened, and it's time that they come forward with this information. So, Ash and Jay, what okay. do you think? Okay,
1: couple things. You said he was 24, but he'd now be 25. I think you mean 34, because you said he was born in 87. So he would be more our age? No. Oh, I thought you said he was born in 1987. 1987? Yeah, I thought that's what you said.
0: 97.
1: Oh, I thought you said 87. No, nope, 1997. My bad, I heard 87. It's okay. Okay, and then um, I have a question. Yeah. When his coworker followed his tracks or whatever... And then started walking on foot because he saw footprints. Did he see his vehicle at that time?
0: I don't think so. No. I think eventually he just turned around and went back. Because he found nothing.
1: Because, yeah, if he's looking at footprints and painting rocks and shit, where was the car? Yeah. Huh. Curiouser and curiouser. Well, and it's like, how did he know that was...
0: Those were his footprints. That's what I'm saying.
1: You see tire prints. Oh, there's a car. Now there's footprints. Yeah.
0: But when it's like... Why wouldn't he call his work and be like, hey, Daniel just left the job site. Or call the police and be like, no, not even call the police at that point. Because it wouldn't be considered an emergency. Like my Right. I would call... You would call your boss. You would call Matrix and say, hey. I'd be like, what the fuck? I'm supposed
1: to have help. This dude's leaving. Like, yeah. at least get, to I don't have know what to send do. somebody else or
0: something. Yeah. Jeremy, what do you think?
2: I think I've actually, as you talked about him driving away from the work side, I've actually heard this. Have you? I heard it, but I, I don't remember all of it. Uh definitely don't remember um, the threesome and the high five. <laughs> Good for him.
0: It could uh, have not been a threesome. Yeah.
2: Was it? Was it or was it not? You know what, Jeremy?
1: Dare to dream. <laughs> you you keep your narrative. That's fine. It's the it cops is. are doing it. So,
2: um, you know, during the whole story you're telling, uh, there's a lot of things that go through your head. The first was what you said. Um, you know, if he would have got involved with the people in that podcast, <clears throat> maybe that was a cult. Maybe that brought a whole new uh, envision to his you know whatever he was doing with his mm-hmm. life and and you know and who's to say that with that particular uh lifestyle that they would lead maybe there are certain drugs that would have you know And these are the, these are these are thoughts that are crawling through my head mm-hmm. while you're telling your story because
1: you can like microdose mushrooms yeah. and yeah. still act normal but be just a little weird
2: yeah not that I know that, but,
1: <laughs>
2: but you don't understand what I'm saying. I mean, you know, he could have been wrapped up in that, and that's what was causing him to do that. But the more and more you get into it, the more I think that um, the Caitlin girl was involved with a police officer. That's what I was kind of thinking. And I believe that they did something to him, and the reason that you don't find the, the Jeep in that ravine at that point was because it wasn't there. Mm -hmm. It came later. They dumped it later. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other stuff is completely staged. The boots, he was probably stripped naked long before that Jeep was ever dumped.
0: Mm -hmm. And
2: the, when they did dump it, the boots probably fell out underneath in, in the midst of all that. And then they were just tossing shit as they were. Right. That's what I was thinking too. Um, But I want to go back to, because, you know, if she's given these narratives, uh, that Caitlin girl's given those narratives of of what these text messages means, that means that she is doing that for a very specific reason. And that was because she's probably either scared for her life, because maybe she was involved with one of those police officers or whatever. Mm -hmm. Of course, this is all speculative. This is all. Yeah, this is all. Right, 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 right. Um maybe she was involved and she's actually very scared for her life and you know this is why she does this stuff because that's what I told her to do
1: yeah maybe he was like a jealous, like a jealous power trip guy
2: maybe he was a jealous boyfriend maybe he was a jealous stalker mm-hmm. you know that could be a, and then
1: a, so he's making daniel look like the
2: stalker uh-huh so once again now why would the coworker take off and follow the tracks. It doesn't make any sense Mm-mm. whatsoever. Yeah, why? Yeah, he left. Uh, you know, I've got a job to do. I'm not going to go trace him down and paint rocks along the way. I think that's a story in general, too, which brings us back to if there is a person, whether it be a police officer or somebody else who has threatened lives and so on and so forth, to tell their story, that that could be another made-up story Right. that right. was forced out.
1: Because I can see, okay, I see his tracks. I'll follow him for a few miles. But as soon as the tracks disappear, I'm not going to get out on foot. I know. And go walk and fucking, I'm not a Boy Scout painting fucking rocks. Right. To, like that. That's just
0: not well, plausible to me. It's weird to me that they were waiting out the storm. You know what I mean? They were waiting for the storm to come through mm-hmm. and pass them. Why would you then leave the site and go look for these tracks that are going to be washed away because it's about to storm? Right. Because he yeah, said that I, the paint got washed away and the tracks got washed away.
2: I believe that's a completely made up story. Mm-hmm. As long uh, uh, with Caitlin. he's
0: either the
1: like the best person you'd ever meet and just concerned and had the the right forethought, or he's a freaking liar. I mean,
2: there's
0: just no. Mm-hmm and why he's lying. Yeah, there's and he's not named. That's another
2: interesting fact. Yes. Well,
1: I I get that. I get that. It's an open case, but the the kicker here is that and in a lot of cases is that it's illegal to interfere with an investigation, but when the cops are so blatantly not caring and mm-hmm. being being so like dismissive and rash, it's mm-hmm. like what what are you supposed to do in that scenario? Because you're going to get in trouble with the law. Ugh, that fucking sucks. Yep. Wow. Well, how'd you hear about this case?
0: Uh, Mile
1: higher podcast. It's a good podcast. I love
0: that podcast. Mm-hmm.
1: You've been watching that one for years.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But yeah, I think there's a, you, you touched on it very beginning. There's a lot of sketch. A lot of sketchy things. Did you lose a nut?
1: I don't know where this came from. It just appeared in front of my face.
2: Well,
1: yeah. It's a ghost.
2: Look, she's back, and the fucking yeah, the ghosts fucking ghost are back. Thank you. God damn it, Alicia. Thank you. You're welcome. Keeping the spirit world alive. Keeping wow. The spirit's ticking since early 22.
1: That is an insane case. Yeah, for sure. And still super active, well, I guess not. Oh, yeah, this but is new. Can I, a ask a, can I ask
2: a question, something you did say early on? And you said that this this story came to light at the same time as the, the Gabby... Oh, Gabby Petito,
0: yeah. yeah. Yes. Why? Um, because there was a lot of talk with Gabby Petito about um, white women's syndrome and mm-hmm. how the nation only cares when it's a white woman that's missing. Um... And they would list off, like, what about this person? What about this person? And he was one of the people that... Right.
1: And uh, Jelani Day. I've got an episode written about him Mm -hmm. that, yeah. I mean, and that was in in Bloomington, Illinois. But, I mean, he was a 20-something college fucking kid that just went missing. A black male. Yeah. And Gabby Petito's plastered everywhere. Right. She was the only person anybody cared about. And you know what? Her case got solved. And look at all these other unfucking solved cases. Did it really? Well, I don't know if it's officially solved, but obviously I think I know what happened. I
0: think with the popularity that it had, and it did, if I was out camping and I just randomly was taking video, I would have never thought twice to turn that into the authorities. But since there was this nationwide, if you have video from this place or you have pictures. Right, and
1: that's how they got the van. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they knew just, where she was and where
2: but they sh- found her. But I mean, and I'm not we're not I'm not trying to go into full conversation on this side, oh, but no. they don't really know what happened, do they? It's never been like blatantly. Like why he did it. Yeah, I mean all no. the details of what really happened.
1: Right, and what what's did, where's the proof that he did do it too? Like is there that proof officially? Yeah, because I know officially, they found journals and shit.
0: It's officially he admitted to To who? In his notebook. Yeah, they found oh, his journals okay. and shit. Um, it was so that's that good. Bag. So
1: she did her, and it's great her family got that closure. But if they would cut that down 50% and give the other 50%, let the other cases split the other 50%. Oh, yeah. I mean,
0: it comes down to funding.
2: Well, and, you know, it's honestly, it's an imperfect world. And, you know, you get the ones that make the national news and there's a hundred other ones that don't. And, yeah. you know, in a fair world, that's not the way it should be. But uh, unfortunately it is. So it's good that there are these podcasts and not, you know, not just murderers. I mean, you know. Uh, my only murder
0: nerds only murder nerds
2: but there's a there are a lot of true crime podcasts out there and you know they're all out there trying to do the same thing you girls are doing and bringing this stuff up to light and bringing it back out and hopefully um someday uh, they'll figure this one out
0: yeah for sure
2: maybe somebody who's listening to murder nerds and uh, you guys get credit that'd be cool be badass
0: do uh does your family in Arizona <clears throat> listen i don't know Family in Arizona, do you listen?
2: Did they? Did they answer?
0: <laughs> <laughs> did
1: you receive? Uh, <laughs> oh, did you hear that? That was weird. And I looked at the microphone like it made the noise <laughs> yeah. at me. Like, what the wow. fuck? Oh, that was a weird throat noise. Wow. Good job. I liked the layout, the way you laid that story out.
0: 40.
1: Oh, this is episode 40. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a big deal.
0: Yeah, this is episode 40, and in 10 episodes, we're going to have a special episode hosted by Golden Jay himself.
2: Mm. Golden Jay is going to talk to you about murder. <laughs> that's not what I was getting at. I just wanted you to promote this. Congratulations, girls. Thanks. This is episode Congratulations 40. Congratulations to you. Thank you. I've only got with you for 34, but... <laughs> <laughs> 34 episodes but... and
1: that's why we have 34 quality episodes and <laughs> yeah. six not quality episodes <laughs> yep
2: but yeah congratulations uh nice. you know as matt pointed out early on in in some of the two-stop meetings that most uh podcasts don't make it past the uh, the 10 mark mm-hmm. you know? really yeah. yeah oh i didn't know that a lot of that. Them get up six to ten <gasps> Fuck and, yeah we're the shit yeah so congratulations Oh, that was, that was nice. That's a good one.
1: I hope that doesn't blow any
2: speakers. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> only mine. It looks like when you hit the clock. Yes. Yeah,
1: <laughs> um, are you? When? When is our fiftieth going to drop? It'll drop before your birthday, won't it? Well, your birthday's in, in, in ten weeks. Ten
2: weeks.
0: Well, it'll probably be around ten my weeks. birthday. Yeah.
2: Oh. Oh. oh, oh. Hmm. I, I don't know. I'd have, to, I'd have to put pen to paper and do math. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, 10 weeks kind of... is
1: two and a half months, so yeah, not plausible. There you go. I was just wondering.
0: Hmm. Hmm. All right, well, we want to hear what you guys think. What's your opinion on this case? Please contact us on any of our social media platforms we've got facebook that's probably the best place to talk to us instagram also a really good place to talk to us and twitter Um, tweet 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 we also have an email address murdnerds at gmail.com if you're an apple or spotify listener please feel free to rate and review us this is the best and easiest way to share your thoughts and support the podcast you can also support the podcast by pledging a monthly donation and in the coming future, we will be changing our merch to a different platform. It may have already done it now. I would hope so. I would hope so. I would hope so. <laughs> I would hope so. Well, just keep an eye on our
1: socials and we'll post what the, you know, how to
0: get what the, to the new store. On. So, yes. Um, we've been having issues with our, the current provider and the provider in the past. So, we just decided to ditch them, go somewhere else. Quality's great. There's... Um, dad caps, there's mm-hmm. beanies, There's the shirts are screen printed, they're not um, HTV, it's wonderful. So better quality, cheaper prices, more options. Papa John's. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I liked that.
0: Um, if you like what we're doing here at Merd Nerds, please go enjoy the other podcasts within the Golden Mojo family of podcasts. Things are just going great all around. Everybody's Doing Awesome, Golden Image Podcast, Indiana Chiefs Fans, The Call Guys, and The United States of Paranormal. Most of them are hosted by Jeremy himself. So if you like Jeremy, he's giving the old tomahawk over there. Do you love me? <laughs> <laughs> Don't think too much of it.
2: You got 14 seconds. Do you love me? Do you Could I think you, lo- you
0: can ever love me? <laughs> Could you learn to love me? Mm-hmm. Um, you can listen to any of these podcasts. Wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, um, Amazon, Pandora, p- 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 Twitch, St- nope. Stitcher, Stitcher. Stitcher Podbean, Deezer. Teaser? Deezer, 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 Deezer Nuts.
2: Deezer <laughs> Nuts you want to watch.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. And we will be back next week with another interesting story. Uh, bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>